the fruit of spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Yep. You're dismissed to children's church. All right, so you're dismissed to children's church. So um, over the next few weeks, we, we want to invite some of our children from our children's ministry to read uh, our Dwelling in the Word passage. And so if, if your kid, I, I'm going to ask your kids, but I'll ask the parents too, uh, just to kind of cover all my bases. But we'll be asking more kids to come up here and participate in worship. So if you think that your kid wants to do it, let's talk and we'll get them up here because uh, I'm excited about that. Because Judah would do it every single week. It's kind of a warning to the other parents. If your kids don't step up, he will do it. Um, but anyway, we are, we are so glad that you're with us this morning at Chanel. We're thankful for you. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. This morning, we are jumping back into our series, The Extra Mile, and we are talking about perseverance. Now, this morning, I want us to think about those elements in life where we need a little bit more to keep going, right? Have you ever been in those situations where you think, you know what, I can't see the end of the tunnel here, or I know that the journey uh, in front of me is going to be hard and challenging, and I'm just going to go ahead and quit before I get started. Like, have you ever been there? I mean, I have, where you look at what's ahead of you and you think, there's no way I've got the gas in the tank to make it there. And so this morning, what I want to do is, is look at a few stories uh, from the world, but also from Scripture that encourage us to persevere through those challenging seasons, those challenging moments or circumstances that we find ourselves in. And maybe you're like, I've never experienced that. Well, it's coming. If, if you're sitting there thinking that you've never experienced anything difficult and you've had an easy road, I, I promise you, you will experience times in your life where you need God's trust and God's guidance to persevere and to push you to that next level before you quit. And so I, I thought about a good place to start, a common ground for all of us, especially parents out there. And I want to introduce you to a guy. We got our first picture here. Just by the picture, does anyone know who this individual is? Oh, who said that? Oh, congratulations, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Colson got it. This is Ray Kroc. Now, if you don't know who Ray Kroc is, I promise you he has influenced your life in some form or fashion. Uh, Ray Kroc is the CEO of McDonald's, or former CEO of McDonald's. Um, again, if you've, if you've had kids, if you've eaten a cheeseburger, french fry, you even use their bathrooms on a road trip, that counts. He's influenced your life. That counts. And so Ray Kroc has an interesting story of perseverance. If you know anything about how Ray Kroc's business world began, he sold paper cups and milkshake, milk, or milkshake mixers, which is very strange if you've been to a McDonald's recently and that milkshake machine doesn't work. You think, hey, the guy who really got this business going uh, sold milkshake mil- mixers. But Ray Kroc started off doing that. He sold these milkshake machines and paper cups up until the age of 52. Now, the story of Ray Kroc goes that he wasn't great at selling either one of those two products. And he had very few clients, but he had one client that bought eight of his mixers. And he kind of became obsessed with those people because they would buy more product than just about anybody else. So he was, he was like, you're showing me some love. I'm going to show you some love too. And kind of connected with these, these, these two brothers in California. 
and they are the McDonald's brothers. Now, I don't want to get into the business semantics of everything that happened there, but um, there's movies about it. And, and McDonald's, their store, their website doesn't really give a, a detailed expect, explanation of what happened there and that business arrangement. But what happens is Ray Kroc goes to the McDonald's brothers and he's like, look, I love your business model. I love the simplicity of it. I love the pricing. I love everything that you're doing. I think that we could expand this business. And the McDonald brothers at the time didn't really want to go into that market. He said, but if you do this kind of this owner-operator model, I think that we could just blow up McDonald's. We could make it this huge national brand, probably international brand. And again, at the time, the McDonald's brothers didn't really want to do it. And so Ray Kroc said, look, what if I just, what if I paid you guys for the McDonald's brand, for the name? And they eventually sold it for around $2.8 million, and then Ray Kroc became the owner of it. And there's another story later on that happens that Ray Kroc was actually friends with Walt Disney. And he said, hey, what if we put McDonald's at this new, you know, Disneyland thing that you're dreaming about, uh, Walt Disney, what if we just put those in your new amusement parks? And they had this disagreement on the price of fries. That is what cut the deal between McDonald's and Disneyland. Think about that for a second. And I believe it was over a nickel too. Like he, Walt Disney wanted the fries to be about 15 cents and Ray Kroc was like, they're 10 cents across the board. But I tell that story because things in Ray Kroc's life were not great for a long time. He didn't feel like he had a lot of success. He was selling paper cups and milkshake mixers, and he just wasn't gaining traction. But what happened in Ray Kroc's life is he kept going. He persevered through the difficult seasons, through the challenging times where he didn't think he was good enough. He didn't think he could do it. He didn't think he had what it took to get to that next level in the business world until he found this opportunity that he became obsessed with. Again, he ends up buying the, the McDonald's company and then the rest is kind of history. But have you ever been in those moments where maybe you right now don't feel like you've got it? You don't feel like you have what it takes to get to that next level, to do that next thing that will get you to where you want to be or to where you believe that God is leading you. Well, there's a story in Scripture that kind of guides in that. It's the story of Nehemiah. And that's where we'll be this morning if we're going to go ahead and turn there. But Nehemiah is one of my favorite stories for a lot of different reasons. It was an important story to people that I've loved. But Nehemiah is this fascinating story tucked away in the Old Testament that we don't often spend a lot of time in. But it is an encouraging and engaging story about persevering through challenging circumstances. Because I promise you that when Nehemiah's story began, he didn't know where he was going at the end. He didn't know how he was going to get from point A to point B. But Nehemiah trusted in God. He believed in God. He leaned on God. He communicated with God to say, God, I don't know where we're going with this, but I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust that you can get me from point A to point B and that our plan can be completed. And so the story of Nehemiah really begins in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5. <clears throat> Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins of the Israel we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Now, what's happening here is things are not great in Jerusalem. The wall has fallen. The people have sinned. 
The people are disobeying God. They're not trusting God. They're not leaning on God. They're not communicating with God. But you see in these opening passages of the story of Nehemiah how much Nehemiah feels. Like his, he's emotion-driven. It pains Nehemiah to see the destruction of his beloved country, of his people, how they're acting, what they're doing. But do you see what Nehemiah does? And it's an important detail when we think about perseverance. Because often what happens is we deflect and we say, you know what, I didn't cause this problem. I didn't cause this circumstance. I'm not the reason why blank happened. But what Nehemiah does is he takes ownership of it. One of the most foundational elements of my ministry that ever happened to me was I got yelled at by mom. I'm talking yelled at by mom. I can say it slower and it still emphasizes how mad this mom was. And what happened was there was some miscommunication between myself and a student. I'd, I'd planned a trip, but what happened was the, the kid was grounded so that they didn't get the text messages about, hey, we're going on this trip. We're going, I think, ice skating or something like that. And what happened was the mom thought I was excluding her student. And gosh, she dressed me up and down. Let me have it, telling me that I, this was my fault. My kid wasn't included on this trip. This wasn't here. Some of you are like, was it my kid? No, this was not here. It's important detail in the story. This was not here. This is none of your kids. But she dressed me up and down, and she let me have it. And I remember in that moment thinking, okay, this is a fight or flight moment. I can either accept responsibility for what has happened. I can readjust. I can reflect and think, okay, how can I improve my communication? Or I can say, you know what? I'm out. Nobody's going ice skating, and I'm out of here. I could have done those things. Those are my options. But what I decided to do was to lean and say, okay, how can I be better in this moment? How can I persevere through this difficult moment, this difficult circumstance? And you see that here with Nehemiah, where he could have easily been like, man, that really stinks what's happening in Jerusalem. But he can't, right? <clears throat> he can't let go. He knows that these are his people, the people that he cares about, he loves, he cherishes these human beings. And it hurts him to see them going through what they're going through. And so in verse uh, one and two of chapter two. In the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year, King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I skipped over this, but at the end of chapter one, it just says, "And I was the king's cupbearer." It's an important detail in the story because that's who Nehemiah is. He's the cupbearer for the king. The king wants wine. Nehemiah brings the king wine. That is his his relationship, his function, his identity. And so in chapter 2, he's fulfilling his royal duties. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. Now think about that for a second. Kind of a, a small aside. You need people in your life that notice these things. If you do not have people in your life that notice your spirit changing, your attitude if you've got to walk around saying, hey guys, I'm really sad, you might want to get some people in your life that are a little bit closer to you. Because what happens is King Artaxerxes has this relationship with Nehemiah where he can sense that something is going on in Nehemiah's heart. Again, you need people like this in your lives that can sense that about you. He doesn't ask him, hey, what's going on? Because he knows that there's something wrong with Nehemiah. And he kind of tells him a little bit. And then the king says this in verse 4, what is it you want? Again, you need people like this in your life. 
If you're going to make it through difficult times and challenging circumstances, you need to be surrounded with people that care about you. You see what he, he, he even offers, kind of anything. It's this blank check that King Artaxerxes gives Nehemiah. He's like, what, what, what can I do to make you happy? What can I do to help you out in this situation? What can I help you to go that extra mile that you feel like you need to go, Nehemiah? What can I do? You see this. There's kind of a bond and a friendship between these two. But it's a relationship that's been built over time. And Nehemiah answers. He says, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. Now, I want to stop. I'm, I'm stopping a lot, but hang in there with me. Do you see what he does first? Because prayer has to go along with perseverance. You're not going to make it the extra mile unless you have dialogue and communication with God. If you don't, you're going to be out there on your own. What the first thing that Nehemiah does when he's presented with this offer from King Artaxerxes is he goes to God in prayer. He's seeking God's guidance, God's wisdom in what should I do next? If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Now this is like a, a powerful statement. I mean, it, it carries a lot of weight. There's a lot of like just excitement in this passage too. But there's a question that we kind of have to ask ourselves. Why in the world did Nehemiah think that he could do this? I mean, think about that for just a moment. That, that last verse in chapter 1 just says, for I was the king's cupbearer. To our biblical history knowledge, the only thing that Nehemiah had done up to this point was bring the king a cup of wine when he was commanded to. We don't see any contracting experience. We don't even know if Nehemiah could use a hammer. I'm being facetious, but we don't. There, there's nothing that the Bible gives us that would have kind of insinuated that Nehemiah could rebuild a wall or help these people. But something changes within us when we believe that God is calling us in a moment. I love this verse in this story. Because you start asking, your question, asking those questions about why did Nehemiah believe this? Why did he, why did he believe that a, a, a mere cup bearer could rebuild this city? Could rebuild this wall? Restore these people? And it's because he has communication and a relationship with God. This would not have happened. This conversation would have never occurred if Nehemiah did not have a conversation, a communication, a relationship with his creator. And because Nehemiah recognizes he was created for more, that God was going to use him in this moment, in this circumstance, that is why Nehemiah has the confidence to say, send me to Judah so I can rebuild the city, so I can restore the wall, so I can help the people that I love so that I can help rebuild. But we know kind of what happens next, right? Like those, those feelings when we think, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to go for it. I've shared the story before about, I think we went on a beach trip, and I was like, guys, we're going to the beach. And the bus said, no, you're not. Like you've got those moments, right? Where you think that you're going, and you think that you're going, and things are going to go great, and it's going to be smooth sailing, and then things just don't go that way. But that's why we have to have a conversation about perseverance. If we had just given up on the beach trip, we would still all be living in some obscure city in Mississippi, right? If we just quit where we landed, but we kept going. 
And what happens with Nehemiah is people start coming into his world that doubt him. And they start asking kind of the questions that I did about Nehemiah, why in the world do you think that you can rebuild this wall? In verse 19, but when Sambalat, the Haranite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about this, heard about what Nehemiah wanted to do, because word started spreading that Nehemiah is going to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah is going to restore these people. He's going to bring back the people. They're going to make this kingdom better. It says they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you were doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? It says I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. Do you again see that? Perseverance does not happen without prayer, without communication with God. This cupbearer who had no experience building a wall all of a sudden has the confidence of a thousand men. He says, the God of heaven will give us success. See that too? Like, it's not on him. He's like, look, I'm, I'm a vessel. I'm building this wall. I'm going to instruct this wall. I'm going to help get this done. But it's God that's doing the work here. We as servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. So they start having these conflicts. And so they have to start kind of adjusting with how they are building and what they are doing to protect what they are working on. And so in chapter 4, from that day on, half of my men, this is Nehemiah talking, did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. Think about that for a second. This is a crazy construction project, right? That they can't just do the work, they can't just restore, but they actually have to protect what they're building. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. It kind of cuts down on your production rate, but they're doing it because they're protecting what they're building. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. Now with all of these crazy things that are happening in Nehemiah's world, you would think, okay, did they ever build the wall? And God, they did. And do you know what they did when they completed the wall? Chapter 8, verse 10, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is Hebrew for they threw a party. They threw a great party. It wasn't just kind of like, all right, let's go get some, you know, paper plates and, and do whatever. This was a, a great party, a celebration for what they had done. And they're celebrating because they persevered. They continued on even when things were stacked against them. Even when people told them they couldn't do it. Even when people physically tried to stop them from doing it. They were able to complete it because they trusted in God. Again, going back to that verse 19 in chapter 2, the God of heaven will give us success. Nehemiah knew that the only way that this wall would be built, that this kingdom would be restored, is if God was at work. God is what allowed Nehemiah to persevere through the difficult and challenging circumstances. Now, I mentioned a minute ago a connection to Walt Disney, and he's another example of somebody who has had a kind of a rough go at it. At the age of 22, Walt Disney went bankrupt after the brutal failure of a cartoon series in Kansas City. Now think about that for a second. 
Walt Disney, who is associated with probably the most magical place on the world. I know that's a, I'm singing a different tune now. I used to hate Disney. Now I'm like, I'm all in. Disney adult right here. I get it. But you're with me. But <clears throat> my point is this, like he's associated with like animation and dreaming and vision. But at the age of 22, things were not going great. He wanted to become a Hollywood actor after that. That didn't work out either. He was actually fired by a newspaper editor who accused him of having a lack of imagination and creativity. I mean, think about that for a second. Walt Disney, the creator of Disneyland, Disney World, whatever you want to call it, was fired for a lack of imagination. After tons of failures, he eventually designed the famous character Mickey Mouse, which would get him to where he can build his own kind of empire. But again, like another story where the cards are stacked against you. You have failure after failure, challenge after challenge, but you stay the course and you say, you know what, I know that I'm being led somewhere. I know that I'm being called to do something. If you believe that in your heart, that's where you get to where these guys, Nehemiah, Walt Disney, Ray Kroc, where they were willing to say, I'm going to stick through the challenging circumstances and continue to build. So the, the question that I, I want to ask you this morning is, what are you building? Right now in your life, what are you working on? And what are you willing to do to defend that? See, Nehemiah trusted in God, but he also equipped his people to face the circumstances they found themselves against. When people were physically trying to destroy the wall, he manned and, and provided support. Remember, they had the swords and the weapons to protect what they were building, to protect the people of Judah. And so you have to ask yourself, what are you building? And what are you willing to do to protect that? I have two more passages to look at this morning. One is in James chapter 1. where James writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We don't like to hear this, right? We don't like to be tested. We don't like to be in those difficult and challenging circumstances. But what James is saying is if you stick it through, if you stay the course, if you trust and communicate with God through those challenging circumstances, man, you're going to come out stronger on the other side. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, just like Nehemiah does. The first thing that Nehemiah did when this opportunity to build the temple came up is he went to God. So in whatever area of your life that you're building something in, if you feel that you're not equipped to do it, turn on God first. Turn to God first. Turn to God first. Big difference. But turn to God first. That's my notes, but turn to God first. Trust in God. Believe that God is going to equip you and prepare you for the work ahead. And then finally, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul writes this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. I've thought a lot about this verse in relation to Nehemiah. Because what if Nehemiah just halfway did the wall? It's like, well, we didn't finish it, guys. Sorry. Nehemiah worked on the wall to complete the wall. He didn't start. He didn't lean into that because he thought, I'm going to do this halfway. Nehemiah was saying, I'm going to commit to this. So those areas of your life that we've been talking about, like where are you building something? Finish it. Stay the course. 
even if it's challenging, as Paul says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way to complete what you're working on. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. The areas of your life that you're building something in, build it for the kingdom. It can be in your family, in your community, in your neighborhoods, your relationships, but build it with the mentality that you are doing something to further the kingdom of God. And so this week, as we go back into our worlds in just a little bit, if you need that extra kind of perseverance, that extra push, remember that God is with you, that you are not alone. And also remember that you have a community of believers here that will work with you, will work alongside you to give you that extra push because we don't want you to quit. We want you to persevere and recognize that when we are building something together as a community, like beautiful things can happen. We have to stay the course and commit. Let's stand and sing together.